Good morning. Well, I want to welcome all of you this morning to our online-only service for October 11th. And I want to just start off saying thank you. Thank you so much for your flexibility in, in this. I know uh, you guys are just the best, most wonderful most amazing church family on the planet. I'm so blessed to be a part of this family. I love you all so, so much. Uh, Brooke and I love you. It's not something we just say. Uh, I hope you know that. I hope you know how much we, we dearly love you, care for you, think about you, pray for you, and, uh, and excited to, to share this morning from Hebrews chapter 4. You know, right now, you're in your homes, you're in your living rooms. Uh, I know you are watching from somewhere that you have access to a Bible. So I want to encourage you this morning, right now, take your phone with you, all right? If you're watching on the Facebook Watch app on Apple TV or Roku or whatever, you can leave it playing uh, or take your phone with you and go grab your Bible. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 4, and since we're all at home, uh, this week and uh, enjoying the weather, maybe enjoying the rain kind of relaxes you, you know, or maybe not enjoying it because you wish you were out either way. Uh, we're all at home. Go grab your Bibles. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter four this morning. And good morning, Rusty. Good morning, Stephen. Thank you for chiming in here on Facebook. Uh, I'm going to be interacting and thank you, Vine Trustville, for saying good morning. Uh, that's probably either Brooke or Josh who uh, have access to our, our main page. But good morning to whoever that was. Uh, I'm excited to kind of try as much to interact with you guys as you're on Facebook. I can see you coming in and hear your comments on my computer. Uh, so I love you so much. Glad you're here today. But also, I just want to tell you, you know what? You did a great thing this morning. You did a great thing this morning. You have positioned yourself in a spot, heart and mind, well, heart and mind in a spot to hear from the Lord. And you did a great thing by placing yourself in a position where God can speak to you. So I'm going to pray for us this morning that uh, as we have physically positioned ourselves in a place to hear from the Lord, that we would spiritually, emotionally, and mentally be in a place to hear from Him. Because that's the goal of this every week, that we gather together and we listen to a talk from the Word. is not to hear from Nathan, but to hear from God into our lives. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning from homes all across Trustville and all across this country. God, we, we, come from you, we, we come to you from our homes, and we ask you that in the midst of this uh, season in life and as this, uh, this pandemic is raging and, and the, uh, the radical adjustments we've had to make, I pray this morning as we sit in our homes, uh, as we sit in our kitchens, our living rooms, our bedrooms, I pray that not only would be as we've placed ourselves physically in a spot to hear from you. But I pray that our minds, that our hearts would be open to hear from your word what you want to say specifically to our spirit, to our soul, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, like I said, Hebrews chapter 4. You guys know, you can always go to the website, vinetrustful.com. That's where you can fill out your connection cards. That's where we give. It's all online, definitely during this season, as no one is in this room. 
I am all alone. And it's so bizarre. Uh, Brooke and I just talked on the phone a few minutes ago, and we were like, should, should Brooke and the kids have come here and, like, just provided some, you know, noise in an audience? But, you know, they're taking the opportunity, like I'm sure so many of you are, to just kind of chill and stay in their PJs, have a good breakfast, and, and hang out and then experience church in this way. Uh, so, obviously, no one's here. All this stuff is online. You guys know this. And uh, so, let's jump into Hebrews chapter 4. So, this morning, the title of today's talk is When Things Get Confusing. When Things Get Confusing. I can't think of a more appropriate weekend for this to be the talk. You know, I write the, the talks on Mondays and Tuesdays, uh, sometimes Thursdays. I'll, I'll, I'll pack it in and, and, uh, and finish it up. So I wrote this talk way before we knew that we weren't going to have any in-person service today. Before we knew that someone in our church family had, uh, you know, there were some positive tests and exposure before all of that. Uh, I'd already written this talk about when things get confusing. I thought, man, how appropriate that, uh, you know, we had to make a decision about today and what we we're going to do and how Sometimes life is just downright confusing. A number of years ago, Ethan, uh, our uh, 11-year-old now, he was two at the time, and we were driving to Target. And I remember specifically we were, which car we were in and where we were at in Colorado driving to Target. And Ethan's in the back seat, and he says, Daddy, Mommy, I want to get a blue Dacio. I want to get a blue Dacio. And we're like, we have no earthly idea what a blue dossio is. So we start asking him, asking him, well, what's a blue dossio? And, and he's like, a blue dossio, I want a blue dossio. And so we start picking up things in the car, like, is this a blue dossio? And he's like, no, is this a blue dossio? No, is this a blue dossio? No, this a blue? And so we keep picking up this stuff, trying to figure out what in the world this blue dossio is. And he just keeps, like, just keeps going, I want a blue Dacio, blue Dacio, please, blue Dacio. We're trying to figure out what it is. So finally, after a few minutes of trying to figure this out, I mean, we have no earthly idea. So I'm just like, forget it. Like, you don't get a, and I said, no, you cannot have a blue Dacio. You cannot have it because we don't know what it is. So you cannot have it. And he just cries, oh, blue Dacio. I want a blue Dacio. And we were so confused. We were heading to Target. So we thought, is it a car? Like, do you want a blue car? No. Blue Dacio. Do you want a blue Icy from the Icy Machines? No. Blue Dacio. Do you want this? No. Blue. So, no, you can't have it. He's, he's bawling. We walk into Target. I'm holding him, and he points directly at the icy machines and says, Blue Dacio! And I'm like, oh, an icy is a Dacio? I don't know where he got this. So we walk him over, and I point, is this a Dacio? And he says, yes. I was like, oh, you can totally have this. You can absolutely have a Blue Dacio. And so he's excited now. But we were so confused by what he was saying. Sometimes things get confusing. Now, this is a funny story, and since no one is in here laughing, at least I thought it was funny, I'm going to act like it was just, you know, smack your leg hilarious. And I know all of you are at home just cracking up laughing at this story about Ethan. At least that's what you're doing in my mind, but I can't see you, so I don't know. But this is kind of a, a comical story about something that was confusing. But in, in reality, life can get extremely. Thank you, Michelle. Uh, Michelle posted a laughing face. So someone was laughing at my story. I appreciate you, Michelle French. Uh, so sometimes life just gets really confusing and difficult. 
things that we thought we knew aren't adding up. For instance, you're following Jesus. You're serving. You are giving of yourself. You're doing all the things that you believe God is asking you to do. And then there's a diagnosis of cancer, of disease, sickness, heart problems. Well, God, I'm serving you and I'm doing what you've asked me to do. And then we've been uh, accidentally taught by people in our lives, by our own minds, whatever. We've been accidentally taught that our faith in Jesus is a formula. That if I do this right and I do this right and I do this right, then God's going to bless me and everything's going to be perfect and wonderful all the time. We've accidentally been taught that there's this formula. And then when the formula doesn't play out, the way that we think it's supposed to, we get really confused. I'm serving, I'm following you, I'm reading scripture, I'm praying, and now there's this diagnosis. Now, uh, I, for instance, I've known people that gave uh, generously to missionaries, gave generously to a missions trip, gave generously to a ch- charity, and then right after that, lost their job. And it's like, wait, hold on. God, I was being obedient and living generously and giving, and now I've lost my job. Sometimes when things don't add up, it gets really confusing. When a spiritual leader in your life, someone you've looked up to, trusted, falls morally, or was caught stealing money or abusing their power or doing something wrong, and then they have to resign, they have to leave. Either they do it on their own volition or it seems like most of the time someone else has, finds it out and then kicks them out. It gets really confusing. Wait, that was someone that seemed like they had their life together. It seemed like they were following Jesus, and it gets really confusing. When you've raised your kids to follow God, when you've trained them uh, in the way that you knew they should go, and that you, you, you feel like you've done everything possible to point them to Jesus, and then they completely and totally walk away. They abandon their faith. They abandon those principles and you're left thinking, what is, this is so confusing. Two plus two doesn't seem to equal four. So what do we do when things get confusing? The writer here in Hebrews, he points to some really specific, immovable, unchanging things. Seeing lots of things in life, they change. In Hebrews chapter 4, we see, them, we see some things that don't change. Uh, we have some family that live down in South Alabama, and we've driven, you know, 65 all the way, just like a straight shot, 65 all the way there. And then there's this one exit uh, that you take that goes, they live on the east side of Mobile Bay. And so the very last exit before you go over the delta, uh, all the little rivers, on 65 going into Mobile, uh, the very last exit is the one that you take to then go towards their house. And here's the thing. I've driven this way tons of times. I mean, I can't even count uh, how many times I've driven down uh, to to their house, from our house, you know, uh, or even before we even lived here, driven to their house, down 65. And I know the exit. I know exactly which exit to take. I'm not confused. I could tell you the exit number. I could tell you the road. I could tell you what the sign says. I know everything about uh, that exit. I know the exit to take. But it doesn't matter how many times I've driven that before. For some reason, I get caught up in 
listening to music and talking, or most recently, talking to my dad. We were talking in the car. I think it was my dad that we missed it, but or talking to Brooke or, or whatever. And so many times we get, uh, we're driving down there, and I just fly right past that exit and, and totally miss it. And then the problem is, once you've passed that exit, there's no way to turn around because now you're just crossing over all these rivers and all these bridges. There's no other exits where you can pull off and turn around. So once you miss that exit, it is a 42-minute, 27-second detour. Okay, I don't know if it's actually 42 minutes, 27 seconds, but it is a long detour. It's over 40-minute detour if you miss that exit. you got to all the way around and then come back across. Even though I know where the exit is, I miss it. If I'm not paying attention, if I'm not paying close attention to what I know, I will miss it. I get distracted. Sometimes life gets confusing and we need to realize when we're confused by the things of life, there are some things we need to pay close attention to or we need to stay close to. So today we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 4 some things we need to stay close to, some immovable things that we can secure and anchor ourselves to. So when the things that we've anchored ourselves to, our bank account, our our formula of faith, we've anchored ourselves to a job or to a relationship. You know, there's so many friends of mine that had parents who had what seems to be very loving and caring relationships, and they kind of anchored their stability for marriage and relationships according to their parents' marriage, only to, to, to be an adult, and their parents have been married for 20, 30 years, and then they get a divorce in their 50s, 40s or 50s or 60s, and it's like, what? There, there's these things that happen that confuse us, and when this happens, we need to know what to anchor ourselves to. Hebrews chapter 4, the author tells us, some of these things. All right, so here we go. Verse 9, Hebrews 4, like I said, if at home, grab your Bibles. Uh, you can pause right now. You can take your phone with you. You can walk, and you can uh, go grab your Bible. Verse 9. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. Verse 11. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. For the word of God, Hebrews 4, 12, the word of God is alive and powerful. The word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our inmost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. Verse 14. So then, since we have this great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, since we have this great high priest who serves as an intermediary between us and the Father, we have this Jesus uh, who is day and night interceding on our behalf. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. Verse 15, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings 
we do, yet he did not sin. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Jesus is our wonderful, uh, amazing high priest, and he understands what we go through. That's part of the reason he came down to earth. That's part of the reason that the incarnation, that was Hebrews chapter 2. You can always go back and listen to that on the podcast or watch it or whatever. We went over that in detail. Verse 16. Because of these things, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There, at the throne, we will receive his mercy. We will find grace to help us when we need it most. When life gets confusing, when things get confusing, we are in need of some grace. We are in need of some mercy, and we find it at the throne of God. So we're going to walk through this today. When things get confusing, what do we do? We stay close. We pay close attention and we stay close to a few key things. Number one, we stay close to the word of God. We stay close to the word of God. Now, I personally, I love books. I love reading books. Uh, I read all the time. I mean, yesterday was like one of my favorite days. We woke up. Brooke and the, the boys just kind of hung out, played video games, watched some shows, and I just got to sit in my chair and read. I love reading. Man, I've read some amazing books over the years that really enhanced my walk with Jesus, that taught me things. I learned things. Things about Scripture came alive as I read these books. But there is not a single book on the planet that cuts between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. That is only the Word of God. Only the Word of God can do this. You know, earlier I mentioned that uh, one of the things that one of the ways life gets confusing is when we've had a spiritual leader, someone we looked up to, uh, maybe a mentor close by, a pastor of the church we attended, or even a pastor or a mentor from afar, someone we've read their books. You know, I've read books that uh, men on this earth who were pastors, authors, leaders, had written that really enhanced my walk with Jesus, and then only found out later when they wrote that book, they were living in sin, and they were doing things wrong, and they had to be removed from leadership. I I love books, But when things get confusing, we should not turn to the books that help us. We should turn to the word of God that does not change. The word of God is what is alive. The word of God is what is powerful. The word of God is the only thing that can cut between soul and spirit. What it does is it exposes our inmost thoughts and our desires. Sometimes when life gets confusing, it gets really difficult to to determine What is from us and what is from God? What desires are just uh, from our own mind, from our own heart, and what desires are from Jesus? You know, we can have um, desires to do good things for the kingdom of God and they be purely of our own heart and mind. And they seem uh, altruistic. They seem great because they are, uh, you know, for the kingdom, but they weren't even started by God. They were just birthed out of our own desire to, to become famous, our own desire for other people to think that we're great. Like our motives can be impure, even if we're doing something good. So when life gets confusing, when things get difficult and, and, and things aren't computing the way they should, It can get really difficult to decipher, well, what is me and what is God? What do we do when that happens? We go to the word. We stay close to the word of God. 
There's an author who uh, I like named Wayne Cordero. He's a pastor uh, in Hawaii. And he, he writes that everybody, he, he said it, I don't know, a number of years ago. He's like, everybody, every Christian, every author, every pastor, every theologian, everyone is at least like a quarter of an inch off. Because we, we all, none of us are perfect. We don't know the perfect truth. But the word is 100% accurate. So when things get confusing, we need to stay close to the word. We read it a moment ago. It's alive. It's powerful. It's sharper. It cuts between soul and spirit, between joint. All right. It exposes our inmost thoughts. It exposes our desires. Nothing is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. He is the one that we are accountable to. We're to stay close to the word because the word of God is what reveals to us what reveals to us what is right and what is wrong in any situation. What is us? What is God? What is outside of us? What is just happening? And then what's, what's true? What's the right direction here? You know, when life gets confusing, when things get difficult, maybe we're dealing with a, a sin that we want to be removed and we just can't seem to get past it. Maybe it's worry or fear or anxiety that's, that's crippling us and we can't seem to move past it. What we so often do is we try to remove the thing that we want to leave our lives. We try and try to remove it. So I have a little illustration for you this morning. All right. I have this glass jar and inside is a ping pong ball. What we so often do is we see the things in our lives that we want to be removed. Sin, anxiousness, worry, fear, uh, hatred, lying, addict, what, addictions, whatever. We see these things in our lives. We think, I need that to be removed. And so we try our best to dig down, in de- dig down into our own lives, dig deep into our own lives and remove the thing. And we just can't seem to remove it. We, we, we try and we try and we try and we try to remove it, but we just can't seem to remove it. Now, if I had a big picture of water here with me, and I was going to do it, but then I realized all of these really nice electronics I need every week are sitting here, and if I spill water on them, it would be bad, so I didn't do it. But if I had a big pitcher of water here, you can imagine with me, and I were to pour that water into this jar, what's going to happen to that ping pong ball? It's going to begin to float. And as I pour more water in, it's going to begin to float even higher. As I pour more water in, that ping pong ball is going to float even higher. If I pour more in, it's going to float even higher. And eventually, that ping pong ball is going to be resting right here at the opening of this jar. And I'm not even going to have to try to dig down deep into my life and remove it with great difficulty. It's going to be right here, and I can simply flick it off the top. So many times when we see the things in our lives that we want to see removed... When life gets confusing, we get disillusioned and we want to get some clarity. When we have sin and addictions that we can't seem to get out of us when we've been crippled by fear and it's there, we think, I got to get this out. I need to remove it. But the answer is not to remove the things. The answer is to get more of the truth, get more of the good things. That water being poured in is the word of God. It's the truth of God. It's the power of his spirit. And when it comes in us, the things in our lives naturally rise to the surface And they just begin to fall out as we get more and more of God in. So the answer so many times is not to remove the bad things, to just try really, really hard. It's to get the truth and the good things in so that the bad things begin to fall away. 
they begin to fall out. Whenever things get confusing, we're to stay close to the word of God. You know, I know many of you, we've had conversations and I applaud you for this. I've done it many times myself is that there's been seasons in your life where you stopped reading and stopped listening to podcasts, uh, which are nothing wrong with reading books, nothing wrong with podcasts. I love those, but you stopped it for a season to just focus on the word of God and said, every minute I used to spend doing all of that, I'm going to spend just on the word. And we've had conversations and it's been so beneficial because the word of God is what is alive. The word of God is what is powerful. Someone else's commentary on the word of God is not what is alive and powerful. It's the word of God itself that is alive and is powerful. Stay close to the word. Stay close to the word. Everything is naked and exposed before the eyes of God. He knows the truth. God sees through the facade. He sees through the muck and the mire. He sees through it all and he loves us dearly in the midst of our mess. It's all exposed. We're accountable to him. He sees all of our flaws, all of our mistakes, and he loves us passionately and dearly, and he wants to help us move forward. Number two, not only do we stay close to the word of God, we stay close to the essentials of faith. We stay close to the essentials of faith. You know, we say it around here all the time as a church family. I look around like that's my, that's my normal thing, but no one's here. It's just me. But we say this all the time in our church family. Unity in the essentials, liberty in the non-essentials. Unity in the essentials, liberty in the non-essentials. I don't know if you knew this or not, but the Bible is the infallible word of God. It is perfect it is truth, it is God-breathed, it is infallible, and it is perfect. But there are gray areas in Scripture. There are things that are essential. There are black and white things in Scripture. There are things in Scripture that there is no discussion, there's no negotiation. They are truth. You know, one of the reasons before we take communion as a church family, we read the Apostles' Creed, because those are the essentials of our faith. Okay, uh, so you can look that up. If you're not a part of our church family, you can look that up. What are the essentials? You can go to our website and, you know, essentials of what we believe. But whenever life gets confusing, we need to not focus on the non-essentials, not focus on the gray areas, not focus on the things that are up for discussion or interpretation, but focus on the essentials of our faith. What does that mean? What's the practical application? We focus on Jesus. We focus on getting to know the person of Jesus. We focus on allowing the, the presence and the spirit of Jesus to insi enter inside of us so that we become more like Jesus. When things get confusing, we focus on the essentials. We focus on Jesus. So then since we have this great high priest who is Jesus, he's entered into heaven. He's the son of God. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. Hold firmly to the essentials. Hold firmly to Jesus. Stay close to Jesus. Stay close to the essentials. You know, there are these non-essential things in Scripture that we can get really hung up on. And there's been way too many families of believers, way too many church families that have been split and divided over non-essential issues because they disagree on non-essentials. We need to focus, when things get confusing, focus on the essentials. When all of, when, when our world is, is get confusing, when culture's confusing, when the political landscape is confusing, when the health landscape is confusing, we need to focus on the essentials, and that's 
Jesus. We need to unify with other church families, other bodies of believers and say, you know what? We might disagree about lifestyle, this and that life, we, you know, and, and the choices that we make, and this, but we can agree that Jesus is the Son of God and we want to pursue him with all of our heart. Stay close to the essentials of faith. You know, uh, there's a very real enemy out there and the enemy does his best to confuse us. He does his best to divide us. And one of the ways he divides us is by bringing confusion. So we need to focus on the essentials. The enemy will use suffering. The enemy will use injustice to try and confuse us. He's always trying to confuse us. The enemy will try to get us to believe that, well, times have changed. The world has changed since Jesus walked the earth, since the authors wrote scripture. The Bible is not 100% accurate. Because here's the thing. As soon as we begin to believe that the Bible is not 100% accurate, that it is not the infallible word of God, then we get to pick and choose what we believe is right and not right. As soon as we're the ones, as soon as mankind are the ones picking and choosing what is right and wrong, then really it leads us down a path to that anything is okay. That's just a ploy of the enemy to get us to believe that there is no absolutes, that there is not an absolute truth, that all truth is relative, and that's simply not the case. The Bible is the truth. So let's stay close to the essentials when we get confused, when we approach something in Scripture that we m- maybe sends us down a path of, un- uh, of confusion you know, of wondering. There's nothing wrong with contemplating that, meditating on it, uh, researching it, and studying it. But sometimes when we get something that rubs us in a way that's, uh, that's frustrating, that's difficult, we need to revert back to at least the essentials and get to know Jesus once again. You know, there's this story of a man Jesus healed. I think it was John 8 or John 9. And it was a man that was blind. And Jesus heals him. And the man ends up being before the priests and they are like, you know, coming at him, attacking him. And they're like, who did this? Who healed you? And he says, it was Jesus. And like, what, what do you think about Jesus? What do you know? What do you know? And, and he, it's just a beautiful statement. He basically says, I'm not claiming to know everything. I don't know. Jesus' entire life. I don't know. This is the man talking. I don't know everything. I don't know if he's this or that. But what I do know is I was blind and now I can see. And Jesus is the one who did it. We need to focus on the things that we know, the essentials, when things get confusing. We need to remember what Jesus did for us. You know, your story, your story of redemption, your story of transformation is powerful. And Jesus wants to use your story to influence other people. So even as we're talking about when life gets confusing for us, how do we reach people when life is confusing? We focus on what we know, how Jesus has changed us and what we know about Jesus. We don't have to know all the answers. We don't have to know everything. But your story, how Jesus has changed your heart is powerful and God wants to use that for other people. Number three, when things get confusing. When life gets confusing, we stay close to the throne. We stay close to the throne of our gracious God. See, our Heavenly Father, He's perfect. He is so perfect that no imperfection can reside in his manifest presence. In the Old Testament, Moses is meeting with God the Father on the mountain. 
And he says, God, I want to see your glory. Show me your face. And God says, Moses, you cannot see my face. If you were to see my face, you would surely die instantly. You would die because God's glory, his face, his, his manifest presence is so powerful. It is so uh, beyond our understanding, beyond our human comprehension. There's too much imperfection in our human nature that if we were to see his face, if Moses were to see his face, he would instantly die because no imperfection can exist around the perfect heavenly father. He is the king of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. And he sits on a throne and he rules and he reigns for eternity from this place of incredible power. And without the work of Jesus on the cross, we could not approach that throne. The imperfections that we carry could not reside around that throne. And we would instantly die if we were around that throne. You know, there's this Old Testament uh, custom amongst, well, I mean, it was all over ancient world, but it was reflected in the Old Testament in the book of Esther, where a king would sit on his throne and as he would invite people to come and speak with him and talk with him. And the king would hold this scepter. And he, if he had invited someone to come and talk with him, then he would motion with his scepter that this person has the ability to come and talk with him. But other people could approach the throne of the king. But if the king decided with his scepter that he didn't want to speak with that person simply because of their audacity to approach that throne and he had not invited them, if he so choose with one flick, with one move of his scepter, that person would be placed in prison or even killed because of their audacity to approach his throne. Our gracious God sits on a throne way more powerful than any other king, but we as believers, as followers of Jesus, we get to boldly approach this throne because our God is gracious. Because Jesus is our high priest and he is our intermediary between us and God because of his work on the cross, his resurrection from the dead. Because we're forgiven of our sins, we are counted as righteous, we are counted as holy, and we can approach this throne of this powerful, amazing, perfect God. And we can approach that throne throne boldly, not because of the good works we have done, but because Jesus has already paid the price for us on the cross. We can communicate one-on-one with the creator of the universe and we can do it boldly because he loves us. He's gracious. He doesn't count our sins against us. He sees us in light of our mess and says, come, come to my throne, sit, let's talk. Prayer is a, is a powerful thing. But a lot of us, we, we treat prayer as if we're sending emails. Sending emails is a great form of communication. You can send me an email and I'll read that email. But man, there is a profound difference between receiving an email from someone and sitting across from them face to face and talking in an intimate conversational way. A lot of us, we treat prayers kind of like emails. We, it's like we just throw them out from afar. We just throw up these prayers from afar. We, you know, kind of say them kind of, you know, maybe even in a more formal way like an email used to be, although, you know, emails and text messages change the way we've, we speak to one another as opposed to a written letter, but I didn't get into that. But the point is, like, we, we, we send these prayers from afar, and God says here, and the writer of Hebrews is telling us that God is, 
is inviting us. No, no, no. You don't need to send an email from afar. Come, sit with me. Spend time face to face next to the throne. Next to the throne of the king. Tell me what's going on. I want to hear from you. I want to know what's bothering you. I want to know how I can help you. Because we can boldly approach the throne of our gracious God. We don't walk into the throne room and then shout out the prayers from afar. No, we, are, we can walk open-handed towards God in, 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 in the act of a friend and sit and talk and listen and converse. When life gets confusing, we need to stay close to the throne of our gracious God to recognize that our God is powerful enough to do anything simply with a word from his mouth. And he invites us to sit and talk and listen and have an intimacy. Have an intimate friendship because of what Jesus did on the cross. When life gets confusing, we need to spend time in the presence of God. Spend time close to the throne. Spend time soaking in his power, his glory, and his spirit. When things get confusing, we need to stay close to the throne. I want you to notice that I didn't say stay close to a political party. Stay close to a political candidate. I didn't say let's put our hopes in one way or the other. It's not even stay close to good works. It's not stay close to the things in this life that give us security. It's stay close to the throne. Stay close to where our Father sits. Why do we do this? Why do we stay close to the throne? Because it's at the throne. When we boldly approach this throne, it's at that throne that we find his mercy, and his grace that help us when we need it most. Now, there's a difference between mercy and grace. Mercy is not getting something we deserve. It means that we deserve punishment and we don't receive punishment even though we deserve it. Mercy is not getting something that we deserve. And then grace is getting something we don't deserve. There's a difference, but we find both in the same place, the throne of our God. We find mercy for our mistakes, our sins. We find mercy for our failings. And then we find grace because we've been adopted and grafted into the family of God. We are his children. He's adopted us and he wants to give us. He wants to lavish his love, his peace, his joy, his self-control, his patience. He wants to lavish it on us. You know, there's this verse in Philippians where it says, uh, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, you know, submit your requests to God. He says, bring our requests before the Father in prayer. He says, come to God in prayer. Come to the throne of God. Pray. Talk to God. Have a conversation with God. And there we will find peace that guards our hearts and our minds. This peace is beyond our understanding. Well, this peace that Paul is talking about isn't something that God just gives us. He doesn't just give us this gift of peace. God himself is peace. 
And what he does is he himself embodies our lives and he gives himself to us so that this perfect peace rests inside of us. We find mercy, we find grace at his throne. When things get confusing, when life gets confusing, we've got to stop and spend time close to the throne of our gracious God. Now, earlier today, I told you this story about when I drive down to my family's house and how I often miss the exit. I know the exit. I know where I'm supposed to turn. I know the truth. And sometimes when I prepare these messages and prepare these talks for our church family. You know, I try to uh, find things that are exciting, find things maybe that are new, find things that are, that are most importantly helpful and pray. And then sometimes I, we look at Hebrews 4 and this is not anything new. Like we know we're supposed to stay close to the word. We know we're supposed to stay close to the essentials of our faith. We know we're supposed to stay close to the throne. We, we, we know these things. So sometimes when I prepare and I, I go through this, it's like, well, I'm just telling us what we already know. But so often when I'm driving down that road, even though I know where to turn, I miss it because I'm distracted. There are so many distractions right now around us that would try to confuse us. That would try to confuse our faith. That would try to confuse uh, uh, the direction we've been heading in. So many factors that try to confuse us. And so this morning, I just felt like God wanted us to be in, God wanted to encourage us and implore us to do the things we know to do. Stay close to the word. Stay close to the essentials of faith. Stay close. Boldly come to the throne of our gracious God. This, this verse, verse 16, it, it rocks me a lot. I've read it countless times over the years, probably thousands, I don't know. I've read it countless times. And this idea of boldly approaching the throne, of boldly, confidently approaching the throne of God, it, it, it rocks me because I'm so flawed. I've made so many mistakes. I've messed up so many times. I've been insecure so many times over and over again. I've been afraid. I've been worried. I've sinned. I've lied. I've done things I'm not proud of over and over again. I've made so many mistakes. And when I approach God in prayer so many times, it's not boldly whatsoever. It's, it's very timid sometimes fearful, sometimes it's insecure. And I approach God in prayer as this, God, I, I have no business talking to you. And there's a place for humility in prayer, absolutely. There's a place for contrition when we've, uh, we, we know we've made mistakes. But there are times the writer of Hebrews makes it very clear even when we are seeking forgiveness, we get to boldly approach this throne. Confidently, as children of God, knowing how much he cares for us and loves us, we can approach him because it's not, we're not approaching him because of the good things we've done or the bad things we've done. We're approaching him boldly because of what Jesus has done 
for us. And his love for us is so great that he desires to, he invites us and desires for us to come to his throne. He loves for us to come and sit and talk with him. So we can boldly come to his throne because he wants us there. That's where he wants us to be. When things get confusing, know that your heavenly father loves you passionately and dearly. And he wants you to come and talk with him. Let's talk with him right now. Jesus, Heavenly Father, I pray that in our homes, those that are watching this morning, those that watch in the evenings and uh, later on tonight, God, I pray as we're watching this, that in this moment, I pray that you would meet every single one of us where we are. But the truth of your word would become alive to us. God, I pray that you would use your word to cut between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. You would reveal to us our inmost thoughts and desires. God, you would show us what is from you and what is from us. You'd reveal to us the truth. God, I pray that we would uh, continue to commit to get more of you in us. God, I pray that we would know the truth, that we get to boldly come before your throne not because of our good works, but because of your grace. You give us the grace and the mercy we need when we need it most. In your awesome name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, you made it. You did a good thing this morning. You made it to the end. All right? Uh, You are taking steps towards growing in your faith. Every single week, we finish with asking ourselves a question, what is my next right step? What is my next step in my faith journey? I encourage you, take that next step. Take a moment, maybe close your eyes, maybe you get alone, maybe on the couch, talk about it together as a family. Take a moment and think, what is my next right step in faith? What is that next simple right step? Then take that step. You know, we used to have connection cards here, and we'd write those on the connection cards so we can pray for it. Those are all online now. You can do that. I understand it's odd to do that. You're on Facebook now. You have to leave Facebook to go to the website to fill out the connection card. I get that. If you just know what your next right step is, You can write it down on a piece of paper. You can type it on a note on your phone. If you want to send it to us so that we can pray for you, we would love that. We'd love to pray for you. But even if you just know what that next step is, don't just write it down. Take that step. Take that next step. Maybe it's to get into God's word this week, to listen to his word, to read his word, to to approach his word the way that you would approach a movie. That, that it's an adventure. It's a place where you can experience the sights and sounds of God in his character. Maybe this week you need to approach the throne. You need to spend some time, some focused time approaching the throne boldly and praying. Maybe this week you need to kind of revert back to the essentials. Maybe you've allowed your mind to just wander down all kinds of random paths, uh, random thoughts, and you just need to come back and just encounter and ex- <laughs> Jesus. Just get back to simply Jesus. Whatever your next right step is, Write it down, type it on your phone, take that step. I love you so much. I can't wait to uh, 
to see you, to be back uh, in here. We're back here next week in this room uh, for our worship gathering. Also, we got our family gatherings going on, prayer gatherings. You guys know all this. And uh, see you soon. I'm going to log off here.